episode of Director Peace Theater with your hosts, Adam and Abe. You know, I don't like to prematurely judge our new employees, Abe, but that guy sounds <laughs> handsome. Don't you agree? I, think I he sounds like handsome. him better. Oh, yeah, Is he's that... better. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely better. Just a lot cooler. Like something yeah. about him just seems cool. Yeah, I like hear I want to cool. hang out with him. I hear cool you know? in that. Yeah. I agree. Like, I'd buy him a beer, you know? Does <laughs> he ask you for a beer? Are you just, no, you're I'm just, just saying. Oh, he's okay. the kind of guy I would like to have a beer with. Well, now you're going to have to, because he's listening to it. So now you're getting him a beer. Hope that was worth it yeah. for you. Uh, what kind of... <laughs> see how I turned that on show? you? You yeah, generous fuck. Yeah. <laughs> just We're already spite. starting early in the morning. All uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just starting, starting real early today. Because, uh, my God, what a thing we're up to today. My God. <laughs> This movie, by the way, this is Director Piece Theater, uh, the show in which two former directors from Cracked and current directors from Indie Life, Adam Ganser and uh, my esteemed colleague. Uh, I'm Abe Epperson. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're the director guys. Yeah. Where, well we comment, where we comment on, uh, I guess, what we've called uh, pop pop culture movies, right? Like popcorn movies uh, and not the yeah, prestige movies. Yeah, you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Or like movies that don't have an award or the prestige, one could say. Correct. That's We cover movies that have not as much prestige and explain why they're good or not. Yes. Right. What, what, and, and most specifically, what are the directors doing uh, effectively or not effectively in this film? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're outlining mm-hmm. the craft of directing. And Abe, your challenge is uh, daunting. I'm just going to say that right now. It is Can't a daunting wait. challenge. I'm with, excited. Uh, this, I know you are. Uh, this film, which is uh, 1977's House. Yeah, uh, a or Jap- Hausu. Yeah, Hausu. A Japanese comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Japanese horror comedy. They're calling it a comedy, though. I'm just pointing that. Right? They know it's a comedy. Yeah. It's absolutely a comedy. It, yeah. 100%. Uh, it absolutely is a comedy. Uh, now... When I first started watching this film, because I had never seen it, and you suggested it, uh, mm-hmm. I thought maybe you were trolling me. <laughs> maybe this yeah. is a famous that Abe troll. That was part of it. That yeah. was honestly a part of it. Of course. Because uh, the, uh, I was doing a movie night recently, and uh, we watched this film, and it had been a while since I'd seen it, um, and then I was like, you know what? I bet Adam would not like this movie (laughs) (laughs) and that was the first thing and i was like it would be i have a lot to say about it i think this would be great for director piece uh so i chose this movie and uh yeah here we are well (laughs) (laughs) so it began with what might hurt adam uh i guess i love that i didn't even beat it that way no no i know it's very funny uh actually i'm sorry to spoil your party i did like it uh, that, I did. That's like fine. It. That's even better. That yeah. because now we can all immerse ourselves. Yeah, yeah. In I, the craftsmanship. Right now we can actually appreciate the film. But I think mm-hmm. at the outset it's fair to say it's like on a on a spectrum from normal pop like normal narrative to David Lynch film, right? Or like just surrealist art or whatever. It's closer to David Lynch than a normal narrative. Would you agree with that? Um. Yeah. Actually, Lynchian is a word I would very much yeah. use. I got for some. This. Yeah, I got some Twin Peaks vibe the whole time I was watching it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for reasons. For sure. Yeah. For sure. The music all the way down to like 
the inexplicable scene work. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it does. uh, I've never enjoyed a thing being on a set this much. Like, I loved how much this was a set. Like, the whole movie was a set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it really thrilled me. Uh, right, you can see all like they don't care. They just right, don't care. Right. This, yeah, they're don't. They're not like they don't have the idea. Like we need to make this feel like it's not artifice. Like they're totally, no. totally got rid of that idea. They're dipping into it. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole. Yeah. That's actually my whole like thing. Right. This yes. Movie. Uh, I was gonna deconstruct that a little bit because we don't see them all the time. Right. But we do see directors like Sam Raimi. Um, you know, Peter Jackson a little bit, yeah. Who like to even to an extent James Gunn, like the these guys all like to kind of tear down the walls a little bit, poke fun at the fact that it's a movie, not by breaking the fourth wall in like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of way, but in a way where it's just like this was clearly done because I mean, just look how crazy this is, right? I would like this is just stylistically appropriate for the movie, you know. I would say Tarantino does it, but only for one <clears throat> reason, and that is to bring attention right. to the cinema he's aping. Right. I think the thing that I'm talking about, you kind of have to have a humor about yourself. Yes, I think that's it. Uh, right. Because you kind of have to be like, I'm not trying to make cinema. I'm trying to make a movie, you know. And there's something humbling and fun about that. Yeah, I love um, which, I love that as a that's a great intro to this because it's mm-hmm. not this person is not a trying to make a a film where at the end you walk away and go, huh, or even like, wow, that was fun. Like I don't think any mm-hmm. of that is the goal here. Yeah, one of the climactic scenes uh with the character who's named Kung Fu yeah, uh, attempts amazing. to Kung Fu a house. Uh, to stop it from eating her. <laughs> uh, spoilers for my opinion, Kung Fu was my favorite of the characters. Kung Fu's the best. Yeah, Kung, Kung Fu Fu's so great, really great. And all just every time she got involved, uh, there yeah. was an excellent seventies inspired moment. <laughs> they were all very good, and I they're all really very enjoyed good. It. Yeah, yeah, but it turns out uh, doesn't really work. You can't Kung Fu a house. <laughs> uh, they all all of their names are some like. Like definitions of them, yeah, like character even down traits. To, yeah, even down to uh, they're passing the street at one point and they say like, "All right, see you, Mister Painter." Right, <laughs> and you like, you can tell that guy's a fucking painter. Yeah, he's a painter. You know, like, he's a painter. Of course, he's a painter. What's the name you of know, the fucking? Like, everyone's one? just doing their thing. What's... It's not real. It's Looney Tunes. No, it's very Looney Tunes. What is the name of the watermelon salesman? Because that man is incredible. Oh, that man well, is he's a part of the house. Yeah, <laughs> wow, dude. He out. is a he's a hero. Uh, yeah, just everything he's doing really brought a smile to my face. And, it, and it's great because it also pulls from like classic horror tropes as well. Because he's very much that guy who's before the teens go to the place that will kill them. He's the guy who's basically, it might as well be a gas station mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. been the guy saying, don't go down that road there from like South park. Like he's ultimately that thing, except they flip it on you. And like, he's like, ah, they're going to, sh- the house is going to get you. You're going to get eaten. Ah, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, but I, it comes from a place and I kind of want to talk about that. And Great. this place 
starts uh, with Nobuhiku Obayashi, the Mad Matter, the director <laughs> of Matter. this movie. Uh, it's a film about how, I think, it's a film about how love devours people in some senses. Um, it's kind of a post, it's kind of a feminist film when you think about it. Uh, it's Ooh, how World War II and the American bombing of Japan in 1945 left many widows and some of those widows became ghosts. Uh, and those ghosts sometimes possessed houses. And in this case, due to the death of her husband in World War II, this woman's ghost lures young women into a house to eat them uh, in in this in Japanese culture and Japanese horror, typically ghosts or demons are very similar or it's like, I guess what we would call demons would be closer to what they call ghosts in this sense. Uh, she's essentially the house, the cats, the house, the watermelon guys, the house, it's all houses. <laughs> um, so it's called house because it, whatever it is devours them all. And I guess the idea is that because they don't have, as it's kind of explained by a giant head of gorgeous our kind of pseudo protagonist. Um, she devours unmarried, uh, like teen girls so that she can have her wedding day, wear her wedding dress and, and feel like youth again, I guess. Um, and that's kind of like the relationship with the murder, the house and why it's murdering people. Did you think that, um, did you think the <clears throat> film is, I mean, I know we don't want to talk too much about this, so I won't spend forever, but do you think the film is sort of trying to put the resentment of the loss of world war two on to like this new generation of kids who don't feel it. You know what I mean? Cause like it has this weird intro. If you haven't seen it, I just want to describe it to the audience. Mm -hmm. The intro is we meet these students. We kind of, they're all, I guess, high school students. And they're all talking about what are we going to do for the summer? It's summertime. Everyone's got to take a trip. And, Gorgeous, who is our protagonist for about two thirds of the movie, uh, is like, I'm going to take a trip with my father to our place out in some other place. Okay, great. Well, then dad comes home with uh, with a new wife, and she's not into that. She's real bummed on that. Yeah. Uh, and so she writes, she writes her aunt. All of her friends have to go to her aunt's house, and her aunt is this widow who who is legitimately widowed by World War II. Like her, mm. her fiance yeah. died, at, and she in never World got her life started. She was right. about to get married. He left. Right. She died. Yeah. yeah. So like, she turned into a ghost. That yeah. plus the imagery to me suggested like these these this younger generation of I guess Gen Xers are like don't know what it was like for us, and uh, they're gonna pay for that. Is that is that yeah. too dark? You think <clears throat> that. I can see where you're pulling that from. To yeah. me, honestly, it's not that I disagree with anything you're saying, and it's not even that I disagree with like the World War II thing in general. Which I th some people have documented. They say that the flash of the light of like the that eyes. shows that this yeah. is ghost. They talk about that being like an atomic bomb because it looks kind of like that from a distance. They talk about like when her her when she looks gorgeous looks in the mirror. She's uh, her face breaks and then uh, you see fire and they talked about that being like a, a nuclear property in a sense. All that stuff, I kind of see it. It's relevant. It's mentioned in the thing. I really took it's more that I think that there's an emphatic statement that's being made. And I think that kind of um, 
is more prominent than the other kind of commentary. And that is that, like I said, I think it's kind of a feminist movie, Interesting, uh, especially given Japan and kind of like you have to consider the era in the culture that it's being made from. Uh, it's not a statement that they could really say and get away with that easily. Uh, we see that with a lot of uh, Asian, especially Japanese cultures, cinema in the sixties and seventies who kind of were late to the feminist kind of, um, being it where it was like public knowledge or even, you know, like people stood by it and there was a movement there. Um, it happened much later in that country. Um, and the reason why is because it's like these, the idea is if you're, uh, an unmarried girl, you're being set up for a house. Like essentially it's a house to die in. Right. Um, man is going to provide for you and going to essentially strip away all aspects of your personality, which is why their names are very literally their identities are based on like who, what they like and who they like professor or prof oh, yeah. they call, is really book smart and Kung Fu likes Kung Fu and is athletic. Um, so their identities are stripped away from them because the idea is that you get a husband and you live in a house and you're now a housewife. That's to me what like, and this is not like super deep for me. Like, obviously it's a horror movie and it's a comedy. These are just the things that it's dropping. And I'm, yeah, I feel like doing that. of all the things to pick up, that seems relevant. That may be once again, me looking into it, but I see that much more than the world war two thing. I, I mean, and I the think cultural they, generational thing. I completely agree with, uh, everything you said, uh, okay. everything you said, I can, I, I accept both of these interpretations as being totally valid. Because yeah, man, both I can there. talk about this movie for days, right, right, but right, yeah. uh, and there's many disciplines specifically I can talk about. I feel like, yeah. Uh, but today I want to focus on two specifically, and that's editing and effects, because I think that that's where uh, Obayashi is, is at his best, mm -hmm. and it's the most fun, and it's what makes the movie work to me. It's the most um, memorable so, thing about the movie, I would say. So, yeah. So this director uses like. Uh, just a bunch of different techniques, uh, like a house worth of techniques. One could say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically every type of cross dissolve you can think of. And this is not just editing, uh, quick textural cuts, various color filters coming from camera. He uses stop motion, animating and rotoscoping, rotoscoping directly on the film. He uses other frames in the mu movies as mats and prints them over other frames in the movie which is a technique I really hadn't seen before yeah. uh, or since he literally burns film at one point. He like scorches the film as like a mat uh, consideration. It's insane. Uh, and the whole movie, like I'm glad you're on board. It's pretty wonderful because of these things. Uh, I, I want to give a note that it is in the criterion collection due to its cultural significance. I think it's not because it's a good story, has great acting, or is a particularly smartly written script, but it's technically brilliant and ahead of its time. And even then, it's not because it's not like technically impressive, like Christopher Nolan rotating a whole hotel hallway. It's not impressive in the sense of like, look at this set piece. That is just a lot of work went into that craftswork. It's just a lot of different things that he didn't have to do that he determined I must do this in every scene. Yes. I must do a lot of things. He's... And they're very simple maneuvers. And it's a kind of – that's what establishes, the, I think, what we're both talking about with that, like, fuck you tone. 
that if you haven't seen it and when you watch it with an open mind, I trust me, it will win you over with its comedy and its atmosphere. He is working so much harder than any director of that genre or like at that budget. Like he's working really hard to create yeah. the effects. And as a person who is at least somewhat versed now in effects, uh, he does know what he's doing. Like I think an amateur yeah, viewer of this might think this guy, like they might see sort of the like a Tommy Wiseau in here. You know what I mean? Like be like, yeah, this was, is yeah, nonsense. I uh, yeah. I want to assure you it's dramatically different than a Tommy Wiseau because he is intentionally doing every single thing he's doing and they're hard mm. things to do. Uh, they're not yeah, easy to do. I mean, the processes individually aren't hard, but it is hard considering the rapid fire that he, like he just throws them out there. He's yeah. just like, yeah, do a weird scene transition. All right, we cut to another shot. All right, it's doing something weird with the camera. Okay, and then we pan over and it's actually a, a continuity cut for a different thing. Iris in on that person's face. Flip that footage, reverse it. Like he's just He's just Frankenstein's monstering it. And that's the kind of, that's what's hard. Sometimes, it's just the sheer amount. Yeah, it is, it's the volume. That's correct. But sometimes, and this is why I compared him to Lynch earlier, sometimes he achieves a really deep joke even, or like, mm -hmm. uh, or horror beat, or just like, I don't know, like a feeling of wow with these effects. Like in a way that yeah. you wouldn't if you were just doing great scene craft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that to me says, like, David Lynch is the best at that, like, uh, that I've seen. Uh, if you want a good example of it, watch. <laughs> this is a terrible scene, but watch the scene. There's a masturbation scene in uh, Mulholland Drive where mm -hmm. David Lynch uses basically like a like an unfocused camera shot to deep effect i would say yeah uh and like there's a bunch of stuff around that sequence that are like what and they're all very effective this guy's like that uh he does stuff like that and it's very impressive yeah <clears throat> yeah and he he gives you the time when he you can you tell you can tell you're in good hands because he gives you the time on stuff that you're like i'm very confused about this yeah. and not not in a way that i was confused earlier you were very clear earlier so why are you confused now now i need to ask the question is it me am i misunderstanding? oh i see what you're doing there it's like that kind of slow roll and then other times he's just like nope there's no point or purpose it's just fun i'm just gonna throw a bunch of fun things at you I, and that's why you know you're dealing with like a tempered voice and that's what i love about it, it like first of all comedy directors rarely try stuff like this no, uh, yeah. that's one awesome thing about it. And like, if we're going to have films like, Un, like Un Shin Andalou and stuff included in like the canon of great filmmaking, you know, mm. this belongs in there, uh, for that reason. Yeah. I, that, I have no problem whatsoever with Criterion being like, this deserves to be preserved because it's such yeah. a strange artifact. Number one. And number two, the filmmaking is pushing envelopes of meaning. I don't know if it's always successful, but it's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of movies in the Criterion collection. And once again, they talk about it's about its cultural relevance, um, less if it's good or not. Yeah, yeah. Usually yeah. that's because it's good. But, you know, there's arguments to be had. I might do one uh, direct a piece at some point on The Rock, which is in the Criterion collection. Michael Bay, it's very, I think it's very good. 
at what Michael Bay is good at, but Michael Bay isn't good at a lot of stuff. He's just very good at a few things and he knocks it out of the park in the rock. That's for sure. I did not know but, that was um, in the criteria. Anyway, this like... is not about the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about some key examples. I, I kind of, in, I kind of pointed out, I'm going to point out two big ones and I'm also going to list a bunch as we go. Uh, but the first one that I wanted to talk about is the opening shot slash sequence. Um, and I want to talk about it as it relates to photography and post-processing because he does something very interesting. And I think like any filmmaker takes themselves seriously, they should be taking themselves seriously from frame one. And in a way, almost every good movie I can think of, the first frame is something that's trying to do something. It's like saying, I am here. I am movie. This is, I'm declaring what I am emphatically get ready. Um, and because of that, uh, I like to look at first shots, first sequences with a more inspective eye, I guess. And this one kind of passes that test for me and I want to talk about it. Um, so if you don't, obviously you probably haven't freshly watched this when you're listening to this or something like that. So let me remind you and set the stage. The first thing you notice when you watch the first shot is that it seems to be a very weird aspect ratio. Like it's very, it's taller than it is wide, but it's not actually the borders of the frame are actually just dark at the very beginning. And slowly over the first, like the first, like five to eight seconds, they slowly start to brighten it. And then you're not sure what the border is. It's still, it kind of is blurry, kind of looks like an image itself, but you're unsure of what you're looking at. And then in the center of the frame, you have the moving frame, which is like a sequence of like a woman uh, who turns out to be gorgeous. She's inside that vignette is like, it's almost ghost-like. It's, uh, she's lighting a match. The whole interior frame has this teal color which was actually done with cyan filters on the actual lens. So that's not post-processing that processing. That's more of just photography. It's a filter. And then kind of all at once within like eight seconds, the teal color is removed. They literally physically remove the filter while they're shooting. The actress takes off her veil steps to the left and you realize it's a school chemistry lab that was set to look very spooky for a second to make it look like it was, um, kind of reminiscent of the hotel that, you know, we spend most of our time in, in the movie. Um, now when she does that and she starts to take a step to the left, what happens is you'll notice that the still image border, which has been hovering over everything like the outside vignette is actually a freeze frame of the shot that you've been watching. And so when the middle section of the movie catches up middle section, meaning physically in the center of the vignette catches up to the border. The border instantly disappears because it's obviously seamlessly disintegrated by the full frame now being photographically consistent. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yes, it does. Absolutely. It's hard to describe. I'm surprised. I was surprised when I was watching it to hear you tell me now that it was being done by a filter in front of the camera. That's, that's the yeah, part that's, that really strikes me. It's like, wow, really? Uh, yeah, that's how they make the teal stuff. They do it later with red when it's the cat's right. blood sequence, and they're like, right. the, it's like a boat, almost like the hotel has become a boat. The, um, the reason I say that is that that involves having to manipulate the camera itself in shot and still execute mm-hmm. a focused moving shot. 
So like that right. makes the, the, the entire shot more, much more difficult to do. It's actually not that hard from like a, I've done assistant camera. Okay. It doesn't look that bad when you just like have your hand on the filter the whole time. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And then you just pull it, yank it out real quick. And it looks okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes depending on, depending on the lensing and stuff like that, sometimes it can really look like, oh, it clearly moves from top to bottom. But there are lenses, spherical lenses as well that you can do, like adjust it and uh, change that, which is probably what they did. Um, they could have tra- treated it in post, but I don't think so because that thing is that type of thing is so easy to do in camera. Um, yeah. But I think the important part of my description is just the weirdness of choosing to have a border that's blurred and is the outside crop of an image that we're going to see later in the mm-hmm. sequence and having the center move center image be cropped such that like, it's like desynchronous in time. It's very bizarre. It's a bizarre feeling. And then once they catch up, you go, oh, that's what that was. And then they both per- kind of proceed together and the movie's, um, you know, has begun. So this to me is sh- starting to show a few things that this guy is already doing. He's going to do heavy mad elements in his movie. Um, and in post-production the way in which you do that is you literally are printing you print uh like you have a work print and then you splice film on top of that or make cuts or whatever you want to do and then you make another print so he's like copying 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 uh frames on top of frames in order to create these effects and so once that workflow he figured out he just went crazy with it and that's what we see in this movie um it's the same thing as if you were to draw on the frame, which he actually does in this movie. Um, What I thought was really interesting with the idea of the frame hold on the full frame and then the inside like vignetted part being like a different story is makes it a box within a box. That's what you actually, that's the ultimate effect. And to me, once you start thinking about that, that is this movie. It's first shot. It's a story of a young girl getting overwhelmed by a demonic force, which results in her essentially becoming hollowed out and used for the cyclic purpose of a demon's presumably generational attack on groups of young girls. Like it feeds on them and uh, it saves some of the discarded parts, but it hollows out their souls to hoodwink and lure more girls later. Um, She's dressed specifically in that, at the beginning, like her aunt, who is kind of the way in which we get in this, like she becomes the new aunt by the end of the movie. Um, so it's a box within a box. <laughs> the inside vignette is the house starting the story, which then the 137, which is the Academy uh, aspect ratio that the movie takes place in the full frame. The story can only once begin once the light has been extinguished. She actually lights a match and extinguishes a light. I don't know. Symbolically, it's just weird why they did that. He doesn't do other symbolic stuff. Mm. It's just at the beginning and it started to make it like, okay, so he's going to use these industrious techniques uh, to accomplish this kind of madness. And he takes a shot at the very beginning of the film saying, I'm going to take a box with a box and try to have them symbolically represent what the movie is actually going to do. Um, and I thought that that that's kind of great. I mean, that's kind it's of great. fucking awesome. Uh, it, <laughs> I think this is why some viewers are going to be like, what? 
because it it does make you feel like you want to know why he did it. First of all, like mm-hmm. for an effect, it is actually a very arresting effect because you can tell that they pulled it off. Like it doesn't look like a yeah. weird mistake or like they just splice some bullshit in. Like they pulled it off. No, it's intentional. Yeah, but you want to know why. and you want to know You're why. Right. And like I found myself. Uh, even just now as you're... You don't get an answer. Not really. Yeah. Uh, not really. But I do want to come back to an idea about the mother, the, the new mother thing at the end. Because uh, that yeah. may have something to do with this. Uh, so this whole... That's it. Either... I, if you believe me or not about the symbology of it or some symbolism of it, uh, that's fine. Uh, all I want you to take away really is the idea of cutting out a hole in frame and playing a different frame. Yeah. Um, he's doing stuff like that. That's a technique that he uses. And I want to talk about some other techniques. Absolutely. I mean, there, uh, there's a, there's a movement in film right now to kind of play with the app, the aspect ratio and like the mats. Mm-hmm. That's like oh, more yeah. commonly like, being all the way done from the artist. Yes. Wes Anderson's yes. Um, lighthouse grand Buddha. Uh, um, fish tank. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of movies that are like, I want to do, this Academy, they all use those films that I named. They all use the Academy ratio, which was like kind of the standard from the 1920s to like 1950s, uh, because then widescreen became a th- big thing. But that's for a different podcast where I can talk about the history yeah, yeah. of the film, the film, the history of aspect ratios that to, to that no one will find interesting. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, three people just got three people got very turgid just hearing that title. That's true. Yeah, yeah three people. They really good. Uh, I want to talk about the transitions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so many different types of transitions in this movie, uh, and one of the ones that he uses is, that I think is great for a ghost movie. So cool because it makes the people look like ghosts, which is often he will have this scene transition, uh, where he has a frame hold, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like he freeze frames, but then superimposed on that shot. He has the continuation. Like it's like a 50, 50 split, a continuation of the motion. So he has a frame hold and then whatever else happened in, you know, the next two and a half seconds of the film. So it's like a freeze frame simultaneously played with a fade out. And the result looks like the movie just decided to freeze frame, but these wisps of the characters themselves walk outside themselves and they look like ghosts Mm -hmm. and it makes you feel like their souls are leaving their bodies. It's kind of a cool little effect. Um, He even does it in dialogue scenes. Like yeah, they'll he just does be it talking whenever he wants. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does it whenever he wants. <laughs> really, that's right. it's that's what's kind of you're gonna have to admit that there's just a oh, joy yeah, to. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm yeah. just on the ride for the like. I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just saying that's that's what I that's why I like this movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, another thing he does is he, he does transitions through camera. Like for example, when the girls are waiting for gorgeous at school, I'm gonna talk a lot about Act One because the thing you start to learn about movies is that I think. Uh, your first 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you're doing all like the, tr- if you have tricks, you have a bag of tricks, you're doing all those tricks by then. Uh, the s- second half of the movie is kind of like the results of those tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of these techniques he uses, he comes out of the gate swinging. So, um, yeah. So the transition through camera, when they're waiting for gorgeous at school, they sit like in a line on a bench and behind them are girls playing 
you know, and the camera is whipping like crazy every like second or so. The camera whips, cuts, whip cuts, meaning camera whips into a shot of a single person and whips out of a single shot of a person. And they can like cut in the middle of that whip cut, a whip pan. And that makes it seem like there was no cut at all. Um, sometimes he does the same thing, but with zooming in on the footage in post and panning between each of them. And it's how rapid these transitions come that it becomes kind of the impetus for the scene. Like the scene is only memorable. Otherwise it's just a bunch of girls saying like, I'm Kung Fu and I like this. I'm sweet. And I have a sunny disposition. They're just saying what they are. And it's not that memorable. It's just normal, like character exposition. Uh, but it becomes memorable because it's just like, I'm going to never stop cutting. I'm just cutting constantly. Uh, and the scenes themselves in this movie are rarely longer than a minute to two minutes, especially in act one. Most of them are cut up to become like this kind of blitzkrieg of the, to the senses where he'll like freeze frame, crossfade, zoom out to a new scene, immediately put an iris on shots of girls' faces, cut to the wide shot, more irises. Um, Another technique is also a camera consideration or photography. When Gorgeous becomes possessed, there's a sequence where she acts like the phones are down when they're not. And it's more or less a one-er shot with uh, a few of the girls who aren't dead yet in tow. And it's a shot with a slow uh, shutter speed. Mm -hmm. How many people... Should I go into what how what's shutter speed? I think you probably need to because I don't think people know what it means. Like I don't think you need okay. to explain the technical pieces. I think I can pieces. give a good, concise, clear definition yeah, it, of it. It doesn't need to be super technical, I think, but it does need to like explain no. the concept. Okay. Yeah. So when someone says that you have a low slow shutter speed, this what the effect or the result is is that the motion on screen is very stroby kind of like it's stuttering. Mm-hmm. It's the same technique used in Gladiator, but on the reverse end. In Gladiator, you see like sand grains of sand very like refined moving quickly in the fighting pits when like, you know, sand is kicked up or whatever. And that's the opposite side of the spectrum. That's dialing the speed shutter speed way uh way up. Or I guess it would be down technically. I'm, that's tough to describe because it's, we're talking about fractions. So bigger or lower, you know, uh, is the denominator. But like, so if you have a fast shutter speed, that's gladiator. Slow sh- shutter speed is what we have here. And what you're changing is how long the shutter, which is re- basically just a piece of metal or plastic that blocks light from hitting the film sensor film or sensor, I guess, if you're using digital cameras while it's open. Its real function is basically to quickly stop light from hitting the photo medium while the camera advances down the film strip, i.e. it's moving to the next unphotographed frame on the reel. Otherwise, you'd have this kind of directional blur because the pin that would grab the perforations or the holes on the side of the films, when you think of a film strip, that would pull it down and you'd see a drift because all those photons would be hitting the sensor and it would be like, Oh, and then all of a sudden you just have this exposure that just drifts and bleeds, um, you know, image to image. So to get around that problem, they just invented a a blocker, a thing that says, all right, close your eyes. 
now open your eyes. Now close your eyes. Now open your eyes. So it's the same kind of thing, but imagine it one forty-eighth of a second or one four thousandth of a second. And that would be the difference between like a normal shutter speed and a very fast shutter speed. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes. A shutter speed. Uh, yes, it does. I mean, I had this explained to me in film school and it still was always a little uh, murky, like how it works. But I do understand that the fast shutter speed produces this really crisp, detailed image, like uh, the kind yes. of thing like you'd see in Saving Private Ryan when they're at war. Mm-hmm. or gladiator mm-hmm. when he's fighting in the or like pits. sports photography yeah you know it, if you ever wonder yeah how they can get that crisp golf ball on you know like moving in a sky right and a, sh- <laughs> a, show, are, a, a slow shutter speed creates part of that is yeah creates this like sort of bleeding uh right you said stroby that's a good word for it but sort of like slow motion almost stuttery yeah stuttery yeah look. it's stuttering yeah. but it's actually it's not frame it's different from frames per second or your frame rate because your frame rate would actually the, right. the actions themselves would be slower right. this doesn't do that it's just taking a photo less often yeah, for less of it right no no that's frame rate it's taking a photo it's letting the exposure happen less often and it also means that usually if you have a slow shutter speed you have to uh, stop down on the iris meaning you have to make things darker because so much light is getting in now because your blocker is there for is not there as lo- as often anyway that's the effect he uses that in this movie and it gives this feeling of I typically don't like it in movies, Me neither. but um, this one I didn't mind because you're supposed to feel kind of out of body experiences by the like middle like middle and second half of this film. You're supposed to really feel like this is like a fever dream. Uh, this is like this this movie. Were were it not uh, <laughs> were it not a comedy like if i was telling you oh, yeah this guy's burning frames he's just like throwing like rocks and shit in onto the frame and printing that stuff this guy spent so much uh blood sweat and tears on this thing and it's a horror movie i'd be like i'm pretty sure this film is haunted yeah you know, like the ring like but it's a comedy so you know it's he's doing it intentionally i, guess. I mean it, it but, does work uh, yeah. here though uh yeah like most of the time in movies you'd see it with like bad flashbacks uh usually of like traumatic events like those are the kind of circumstances you can imagine somebody employing this trick uh mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. movie it's to explain that she's not herself uh which i think the director thinks the performance itself would not be enough and he might be right about that he might be right um but she's acting very spooky yeah yeah she's so acting you spooky, can kind of put it together but i think in a world this zany it kind of need you need a camera trick to every sequence kind of needs yeah. a trick is he definitely yeah. bailed on the idea of the actors are going to carry the meaning he definitely bailed on that yeah. idea yes. uh fine so that's he, fine he made it louder yeah, he did um let's talk about editing for a little bit sure. more uh non-linearity or the fact that things don't happen in their normal, you know, time signature that we see reality in is a big part of this movie. Obviously a lot of movies, a lot of movies about dreams are like that. And this one's about possession. So makes sense Uh, in the scene with gorgeous learning uh, early in the movie, learning her dad is taking a new wife. uh, Obayashi uh, has these quick cuts during the dialogue scene that are discontinuous shots from the same sequence. 
like Yuroko, who is the new mom, ask them, ask gorgeous, we should be friends and you're so beautiful. And then it cuts to a shot of Ryoko when she was in her introduction shot. And that shot's also slowed down for just a quick second. And it's like, I think it's just like for us, it's us to be thinking, okay, we're in gorgeous's head. And so when she says this beautiful woman is telling gorgeous that she's beautiful, she's reminded, Oh no, I'm not beautiful. This woman's beautiful. I think that's what we're supposed to think. Because it's kind of like her version of what beauty right. is. And um, I'll yeah. also so, just note that he intentionally films this scene through like a latticed glass window. Yeah. So there's. So, I yeah. think to imply that this is where the breaking begins. Yeah. There's glass that has bevels yeah. so that uh, there's diffraction of the light. So as someone crosses over like a window pane, the edges of the window pane, their part of their head is like obs- warped. Because the uh, the actual light is well, warped. he uses um, specifically the fractured image of her mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. when she gets possessed. So I think it's safe mm-hmm. to say this is the beginning of her transformation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, her father mentions in that same sequence how gorgeous won't have to like mend his shirts anymore. We just throw in a quick cut Which was to very that funny of her by the way in this very yeah. funny because it's in the same yeah. space like they never leave this right. balcony <laughs> and she, she, she is mending shirts yeah. for him yeah, and yeah. he's like ah yes yeah very good job mending my yeah. shirt you know it's just like yeah it plays the comedy it's it's kind of like a proto version of like something that really became a pinnacle of modern tv comedy yeah. Oh, or animation, like think of the Simpsons, where it's like, yeah, that would never happen. Cut to the thing, that right? Exactly, guys. The most you know? of that. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. can we just take a minute and shout out to that dad because he, <laughs> his performance is so incredibly disinterested in everything that's going on. He's just very like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't get. A, he's not in a horror movie. Yeah, to him, this is Thursday. Yeah, I, brought a, I brought a. I brought a wife home. Like, so uh, sorry, sweetheart. I have a new wife. I hope you're fine <laughs> yeah. with it. Um, yeah. So gorgeous runs out in that sequence, and she throws the scarf. And yeah, as yeah. she's running, the half, the right side of the frame, half of the frame, literally like vertically, like the left or the right side of frame, the right side of frame, uh, is her frozen of mid run, but the left side is the scarf falling. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I think it's to her. I think that's him like kind of taking the wind out of the sails of like art films, like saying like, uh, it's kind of like what we do in America to make fun of American beauty. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, with like, let's do like, just throw a plastic bag in there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, just like, cause it's just like, ah, oh, the scarf falling. And then she continues running and it's just like, uh, did that scarf stop time? What is going on? She's, uh, also she slams the door and despite the fact that it's a like pristine, calm sunset, not like evening, there's a lightning <laughs> crash. Like these are jokes that are like, these are like yeah, jokes. Yeah, These yeah. are legitimate jokes, but they don't feel like it because I think there's a cultural divide. Yeah, maybe a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. The scarf uh, becomes completely absurd here, and also at the end, yes. when it's like flying off her she neck, always... like she's piloting an old fucking bomber. It's like, what yeah. is going on? With this woman. She always has that yeah, scarf on. It's it hilarious. flies behind her like she's in an Indiana Jones yeah. flick. Uh, it's so yeah. good. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about another aspect of linearity in editing, sure, sure. which is that he uses continuity cuts, um, which 
a good way to describe that is if you ever seen Game of Thrones and you see that there's there's a sequence where Samwise is at the Citadel and he's eating a bunch of like, or no, he's eating, but all the maesters are eating like pies and shit. Right. Oh, <laughs> and it oh, looks yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah. They're super porridge and whatnot. And then it cuts to the, the bowls of their shit. And then it, because it's literally cutting from like a bowl <laughs> to a bowl and the stuff inside looks similar. It's like, you don't know if they're eating the shit or like, it just, it it's blending those two thoughts. And so in, in this kind of, I, this, and that's just done by cutting uh, to a very similar composition. Usually um, Obayashi cuts from one day to another uh, at the end of this sequence uh, that's a close-up of gorgeous. She decides randomly to spin around. I guess she's just having a good time. And it, there's a cartoon spin sound and a crossfade. But when we zoom out, her clothes are completely different. The lighting's the same. Uh, this happens with Yoko at the end of the film when she comes to the house to check in on, on, on the girls, despite the fact that they're all dead. And they take a close-up of her driving and they use that same thing to cut and then pull out. Oh, no, she's at the last leg of her journey. Uh, and now she's like traveling through the woods. So it's just these kinds of things that are like kind of, I think, meant to be red herrings. It's to kind of signal you as the viewer as like, all right, this is n- no longer reliable. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to be a movie that I'm supposed to believe proceeds like a movie normally would chronologically. And sometimes it's just going to do whatever the hell it wants to. And you just run. I think it. it's, and it's so important to set that up early. In yeah. It does make you release the need to understand every little thing. Uh, the movie trains you to do that. This is one of the ways it does that. But I would argue not against you. I think we agree that the movie is very clear about what actually happens. Like I, I think mm-hmm. the, I don't think the movie's ever ambiguous about what actually happens. Do you? No, no, because I think he does yeah. it well. Because I think he makes it clear to you, she's being possessed now, or the the demon is in the cat. You know, like there's <laughs> yeah, that's right. All the stuff is true. Yeah. you know, and it's like, but at first it's just a shot of a cat. You don't know there's a demon in the cat, but then you add all these techniques on it, and you're like, ah, it's a spooky as shit cat. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the train sequence. Did that one perk up for you? Uh, sorry, the train when sequence? Actually going to the house? the When they're going to the house, uh, they take I, a train. Yeah, I so not not more than... I started to get really excited about this movie at the beginning, and then I kind of lulled at this point, and I got more excited about mm-hmm. it when the killings began. When the I killings like, began. I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm back. <laughs> uh, I'm back. Like, for a little while, right, I was right, like, right, what right, are we right, doing right. here? Uh, this one actually has one of the cooler maneuvers in terms of transitions in the yeah. movie at one point in the, there's a small scene and then a small, and then it cuts to a small boy over his shoulder reading a book on a train on the train. And it's the book is about trains and the drawings in the book start moving. And then we realize it's a classic travel montage that shows that the train is getting out of the city closer to the house. It's just a very cool kind of like, what if uh, in Indiana Jones, you know how it has that animated plane that flies through like now you're flying to Normandy, you know, or whatever. Um, and it's on a map. It's like that, but it's like a children's book. And it's as if in Indiana Jones, someone opened a map and that map did that stuff. Um, and he's doing that again through matting. Uh, yeah. Yeah like the book. And then later, and then, so we have a little short 
animation sequence with the train going because they didn't want to shoot like an actual train. And I think the train itself was like a train car that they had a blue screen. Um, So that's the reality. So he then mats the girls looking out the window at on the day, a blue screen looking at the animation. (laughs) So you have live action and animation at the same time. That's right. It's really not well done because like, it it you can tell that the animation is like starting to bleed on the girls' faces and on the back of the train, like yeah, the yeah. wall of the, the key's train not and, great. Uh, outside the yeah, window. Yeah. It's not just restricted to the window like it would be in reality. But you know what he's trying to do, and at this point, the scattershot tendency of most of these sequences it doesn't really feel out of place. Well, no, and also um, Monty Python was a thing at this point, right? Like, yeah, and I feel yeah. like the animation stuff in this movie is sort of of that of that school kind of has that yeah, a little bit yeah. yeah uh also on the train uh that i'm really into gorgeous tells the tale of her aunt and her husband in 1941 I love that piece, yeah. and it's a montage where we would typically say oh this is playing in her head or something because it does like the do 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 oh yeah yeah and then it goes to black and white footage of like the man going to war and them in love. And it's a few, a filmic reenactment done for the audience's purposes. Right. But then you realize the girls are talking over it and they're reacting to it. Like they're the yes. audience saying like, Oh, look at that. He's yes. handsome. Or, Oh, they're making a pinky promise. <laughs> Kung Fu is more manly than they are. And then suddenly Kung Fu is marching with the soldiers in world war two. Dude legitimately invented the thing that makes drunk history seem. Yeah. It, that was a really cool thing. I noticed it when we were watching. It was like, Oh, I've never really seen that uh, in a movie too much. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I was also a little bummed because I've been working on a screenplay with that idea in it, but uh, it's okay. Uh, it's all right. It's okay. All ideas have been had. That's right. right. <laughs> Somebody's fine. already made it. Drunk history yeah. exists right there. Right, 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 right. there, man. Right. Don't worry. No, no, I'm not you worried do about it. You're I'm, I'll fine. be fine. You're fine. Uh, yeah. So I want to talk about kind of like a last bit with Act One. Well, actually, at this point, we we're starting to bleed in the house stuff. But I want to talk about combining special effects and compositing. Because as the movie gets farther along and we get closer to like the real legitimate haunts, he's throwing, he's not just throwing all these different techniques at you, he's throwing that, at, uh, throwing them at you on top of each other. And I kind of wanted to dis- dissect what I meant sure. by that and just talk about how you see the real virtuoso come into form when you uh, witness all the things happening at once simultaneously. And you're the images you're looking at are like deeply like crafted uh, in the case of special effects. They're usually pretty simple. At one point uh, we're in the bath with gorgeous uh, and her hair climbs onto her shoulder. And then it leaves her shoulder. I did. did you yeah. See that? I, uh, yes, I was, yeah. uh, I was a little nervous about that scene. That one's pretty, yeah. that one's pretty well known because it, it looks, it does look good. good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do because this is done by setting the hair prop and then pulling the center of its mass with like a fishing line to pull it into the water. Then you just reverse yeah. the footage and it makes it look like it's climbing on. Cut to something else, cut back, do the same thing, but this time don't play it in reverse. Easy reverse as, easy, footage easy, easy. is awesome 
Uh, it's a thing mm-hmm. we don't really accept in movies unless you can do it invisibly. But like, mm-hmm. especially in comedies, it's so good. Uh, if you're yeah. when you're an aspiring filmmaker, by the way, uh, reversing footage is like one of the first things you start dicking around with, you know, because of the editor. Yeah. Uh, I love that they found creative ways to do that that feel good. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, we just talked about Quick and the Dead, yeah. and we talked about Raimi having a bullet cam because yes. they always got to have a camera that's mounted on something, and you don't, you don't have an actor stand somewhere and then run at him with a camera with like a big jagged piece of wood with like a bullet or whatever you want to see on it, and run at them with like essentially a camera spear. No, you start recording. <laughs> You're right at his eye, and then you run backward, and then you reverse it in post. It's just simple considerations, and now you made your day a lot safer. It also uh, feels anyway. less, because of that effect of reversing, it doesn't feel like it's happening in real time, which actually makes that particular effect work better. Yeah, uh, that's also yeah. true. It, it does have a look and feel uh, so what you said about invisible, which by the way, Obayashi does invisible re- reversing frame. He also does one with the one, the man who turns into bananas. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, just yeah. says bananas, 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 yeah. bananas, and it just reverse. It just cycles like point A to point yeah, yeah. B as his like chest is convulsing. And it's just like, this is, he just put the reverse footage on a loop. This well, is he bizarre. does that a bunch. So he's doing all yeah, that stuff. He, yeah. He does, he does a lot of, he does stuff some like forward that. and reverse stuff. Uh, in a way that mm-hmm. the only time I've seen it done funnier was uh, in like our those old horsehead businessman sketches. Remember? Oh no, no, that's, that's a deep really cut. Deep. I know it's a deep cut. cut. Yeah, but there's a sketch comedy yeah. group that like loved uh, Noah Byrne, who's in it, uh, Tyler Brown. Yeah. They're very funny guys, and they loved reversing and footage, it was super and funny. it just became yeah. funny. It's super yeah, infectious yeah. because they loved it so much, and they kind of in the same way that this guy. Uh, pull pulled out no pulled out all stops you kind of just start embracing it um there's another compositing trick i want to talk about uh that seems very complex but once again it's very simple before gorgeous becomes possessed she looks in the mirror and it cracks and then in the reverse shot her face starts cracking yeah yeah and we and then the and what is beneath the cracked face is footage of a fire and so it looks like she's on fire, but under her skin. This is literally breaking the way they did this is literally breaking small shards of glass, placing them the way that they wanted it to end up in frame. And then frame by frame, taking a razor blade to the film strip and animate cutting around the shards like tracing paper. Then the compositing of those frames, you just place composite them on top of footage of a fire in the wider shot. And that's just like a it's simple very trick. Looks kind of cool, right? Really cool. It's just done with a yeah. razor blade uh, and just a little forethought. Uh, in the wider shot, you see her full body and it's drawn on the film. You no longer see the f- flames. Um, it's drawn on the film itself. The reason I included this one is that he does this a lot as well. Much in the same way that a lot of movies did s- colorization at the very beginning of color movies before there's color film. Uh, would literally draw on frame and just like treat it like a, like, I don't know, like a 2d animation like Disney would do where they're like, yeah, they draw it and then they 
you know, do all the coloring after. Uh, they would do that literally frame by frame from some movies. Um, it's, uh, D.W. Griffith, yep. I think he actually got to that point. Yep. Um, so that's it's like any cell automation. Uh, he, he does that in his film with uh, the piano keys coming alive. Like some of the keys are different colors, like blue or red or whatever. And that shows that the it's being possessed. So now I want to take, so I want to give a third example where it's both techniques in one series He's of fucking shots. genius. And the way they did that. Love it. And one of, one of, one of the examples uh, that does that is Max decapitated head coming out mm-hmm. of the well. In the wide shots, it's a prop head that they attach to a fishing line and Classic. move it around. On the closer shots where she bites fantasy, the actress was painted chroma color, in this case blue, and keyed out. So she's just a head. This is how they did the sequence also with Melody being dismembered by the piano. And this is the one I really want to mm-hmm. talk about. Because this one and maybe Kung Fu's fight sequence where she kills the cat and is then eventually eaten by a lamp. Yeah, those are amazing. Uh, and her legs yeah. come back and kill yeah, the so cat. Good. Those, the, the Melody play, being dismembered by the piano and the Kung Fu's fight sequence, that they're going to use every single... Uh, technique that I've talked about so far all at once. And those are the following elements. They chroma key paint the actress and her body parts, Mm -hmm. and then they shoot them on a blue screen to composite them and have their own like layer. If you think in terms of like Photoshop or something, they layer that one layer on frames. There's a large puppeted piano with wires and movable parts they literally paint on the frame to highlight the keys and her hands becoming yep. possessed with like red and blue. And even on the sides at some point where they're just doing jagged lines to show like, ah, shit's going crazy that don't, we don't even know what those lines are, but they're painting it on it just to make it seem more manic. Um, they blue screen the entire action in the side shot of the piano and the actress inside the piano. And probably I think another actor kicking legs out of the piano. That's like a built thing. They put in a set, they put that on a green screen. So then that could be composited. And then, so you have those things, all the drawings, all the, the actress being composited. Cause at this point she's in many body parts. So like, it's just her arm over here. It's just her head over here, etc. The third element is then, uh, to be, uh, put behind the blue screen piano footage of the house, which itself is altered. It jump cuts, despite the fact that the foreground doesn't jump cut. It slows down and speeds up. There's some warping done with lenses yeah, as yeah. well. Um, there's whip pan cuts like earlier in the movie, like the bench sequence at the school. Uh, and then sometimes the film will just quickly cut to random shots of ghosts and hands and bloods and cats to do that nonlinear kind of what's going on, uh, kind of to take you out of the timing of that. They usually use that with the other actress and the goldfish bowl. Um, they reverse footage for no other reason to be creepy. Uh, often with the background element, uh, the house is just footage is reversed. I don't know why. And so it's, he, he's basically building, here's my bag of tricks. I'm going to open them and display them for you all. And this is my act one. This is my up to my midpoint. I'm going to show you them kind of one at a time, do this kind of transition thing, get you kind of familiar with, I'm going to play it fast and loose with these techniques. And then his big set pieces, he goes, guess what? 
all at once. Yeah, yeah. It's really a lot like an opera. Yeah. So, I don't know. The point, I think, in the end is that this pace and constant reminder that the filmmakers play with the medium itself makes elements that wouldn't work in other films. Like you alluded to this earlier. You would say, like, these are too rough around the edges. They're too imprecise or too loud. But in Congress, here, it works. It establishes that kind of fuck everything tone that I think later work by Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson or like you mentioned Lynch uh, were doing. I think horror opens itself specifically to it because you already have like a huge effects budget in terms of your budget. Like not saying that this movie had a huge budget, it actually had a very small budget. But a bigger majority of that budget went to like the effects and compositing and stuff like that. So that allows for a playground for the filmmaker to play with. And if they're already going to have to do all that gore stuff, they clearly found all the stuff kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson, too. They're like, look at this head. This head is stupid. Let's make a joke about this head. I can't speak it to if those two filmmakers in particular were influenced by this movie. But I think that the years line up, and at the least, they're all kindred filmmakers. Yeah, they share a spirit, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of my, it's kind of my. I mean, spiel. it was a great spiel. Uh, do you think that if you gave this guy like a bigger budget, that he would make an excellent film of this style, or that it wouldn't make a big difference? Uh, I don't think. Hmm, I don't know because you never know until you I don't see either. it. I do think he does this very well, and a good example. A good, you know, here's a good, uh, to answer that question, I would just bring up Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi did the same thing with Evil Dead mm-hmm, 2, mm-hmm. right? He's he's kind of achieving the same tone that House achieves. So when they give him a Spider-Man, uh, he toned it down, right? He well, said, he had oh, to, I'm right? I mean, real movie. Yeah. It's, it wouldn't well, work Well, it's a corporate like movie, too. He knew yeah. that. I think that, now, obviously, Yobayashi and Raimi aren't the same person, but I think that just all I'm arguing is a uh, not necessarily a compulsion, but um, being good at the thing that I'm talking about doesn't mean you're not good at other 100%, stuff. Right. It just means you know how to do the thing I'm talking about. So, and that's a, usually a good sign of an intelligent filmmaker is like they know what the expectation of the audience is. They know how to play with it, and they know how to make you f- f- like squirm, laugh, etc. And so that there are a couple effects you know. here that are actually very good. Uh, I would argue, as dumb as it is, the severed head for the time was pretty fucking good. Like, uh, yeah, and consider uh, on top of everything, nineteen seventy-seven. Right. So that's yeah. the thing. It's nineteen seventy-seven, which means we haven't seen Alien yet, right? Didn't Alien come out in seventy-nine? Is that when that came out? Around <sighs> that time? Uh, let me yeah, check, check it. that old uh, alien. I, th- I want to say yes. I think that's right. Yeah, so like, right. that has another severed head effect in it that is honestly not a lot better. You know, like it's good, but it's not a lot. It's better, but not a lot better than the severed head here. Yeah. Um, that says yeah. a lot about yeah. the ingenuity of this filmmaker to me, because that's the kind of shit it's easy to be like, ah, who gives a shit, right? Like uh, right, yeah. Well, like, uh, what 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 are we wizards? Well, that, <laughs> you know, like they're gonna be like the, nothing like this has ever this been done. This guy is the opposite right. of lazy. 
like the exact opposite of lazy. Exactly. So like I, this movie exactly. brought to mind uh, a certain film that I made in film school where I was DP and the, fil- the, the premise of the film was this, this guy gets kicked out of his house. So he moves into a cave. Right. And yes, I remember right, right. this. <laughs> so, and the director didn't have a strong idea for how to communicate the fact that this gentleman eventually becomes sort of spiritually connected to the cave. Like, and that's sort of the movie. Like eventually Uh the person's like, I love living in caves. This is my home. And so the director said, uh, can you just sort of, you know, do some crazy camera stuff in the cave to communicate that? And I did that and, uh, we got something out of it and it was fine, but that's directing. directing. And I don't have any, there's no fault here for that director because I don't, I don't know what I would have done. I think this guy would have known what to do. You know what I mean? I think this guy would have had yeah. a lot of ideas about how to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of admire it because he's working harder than I most, than I work on a lot of films I make. Uh, and I, you know, uh, mm-hmm. challenge accepted. Mr. Obayashi from the past. It, would it surprise you at all that, uh, so this guy was, he was a producer, done a right? feature at this yeah. point. No, he was a director of ads. Well, he was a producer, and then they wouldn't let him make the film, and so he did some ads. He didn't work for Toho, yeah. Toho yeah, which yeah, is yeah, the yeah. company. And though it's a little different there because they have like in-house right. directors. It kind of works a lot how like how when correct. you watch Mad Men. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh Yeah, it's, it was more of a like, well, we can't hire you to direct because you're not a director under our employ. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about not lazy so he created he made a short film not about house that got him some notoriety and money uh and then people were big fans of his commercials and his shorts they promoted house before it was even in production he made products based on house that were released he included a manga uh a radio drama a novelization of the script a soundtrack was created and released before the film was made. And it's the one you hear. In fact, during shots, he'd sometimes play the music while filming to get the actors into the tone. And so this guy's working overtime before the movie starts. Yeah. uh, Which is how you do it. I'm really impressed with the effort here. Uh, Very impressed Mm -hmm. with it. I, uh, I don't know what to say about his clarity. I don't know. Like on the one hand, I don't think he's unclear, and I think he's remarkably mm-hmm. clear given how he's chosen to tell this film. But on the other hand, uh, what he chose to do with the film is sort of a very small portion of directing, and not the other stuff that is equally important, like working with. Yeah, yeah he's kind of nutty. Yeah, too. yeah. I'm not surprised by that. For example, uh, it kind of surprised me that he worked with no. S- storyboards oh what which wow yeah. how so did he do it all in post exactly he just, he's kind of just a man fuck man. around with it yeah, in post? Just, is that what he did he just fucks around uh, with it he reminds me it's kind of like how i worked when i didn't know how films yeah, were made like in college yeah uh i would just like get what right, i got and then figure it out and then i just yeah. sit and pour over for hours what the footage yes. yielded and I'd mess it up and throw it in the yep. trash. I really, w- I, I think it was because I was really in love with the, you know, like writer mystique of like, you know, like the montage we've all seen of a writer trying to write something and keeps throwing 
pages into trash and it's his, his whole desk is covered. Like I wanted that for myself. So that was probably more of the impetus than was real. But I used to do that kind of stuff. And I think he's that kind of tinkerer. I made as a well. bunch of films um, when I was, uh, before I went to film school, I, I made a bunch of films that were like run around and shoot stuff and then like get into the editing bay and make something out of it. Um, I made like, I don't know. Yeah. Cause you just wanted to immerse yourself in the it's work. It's partly that. As opposed to, and that was the fastest way to yes. do that. It wasn't it, the best film. You didn't care about making the best film. You cared about making the best having film. Having an edited, make. edited film um, made it the best film compared to the world I was living in at the time. But like the exactly. editor. And you're learning the tools. Well, these yeah. tools are also, I think, the first tools that you use to get immediate satisfaction as a filmmaker. Yeah, they're really because design. Yeah. Well, heavy. they're design heavy, and also you can do a lot of crazy shit that make it feel more professional instantly. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like he can't because he doesn't have like you know Avid or uh, you know Premiere or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But he still is able to do the same thing that editing was to me when I was twenty, which is like mm-hmm. I can I can take just bullshit footage and make something out of it because of this tool. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I, I don't want to take away from the fact that I think that Obayashi has a unique like playfulness. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. You know, like one of the cooler bits that I saw is like one of the girls I believe it's fantasy. At one point, is watching uh, the girls do each other's hair. Yeah. 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 And she closes one eye. Yeah, and then the, the other eye, thing. and then the yeah. one eye, and she's just doing a little game, and then it's really cool really smart, he decides to make the camera do that. So as she blinks, it cuts to the camera shifting a few inches from the left to the right, cutting between, uh, you know, kind of feels jump cutty. It's some, it's a type of cut you never see in films who, who, who has a new setup. That's only like inches away. It looks more or less how like it looks when you do that. Right. It's know? Wayne's world. When you close Wayne's one world eye. Use that. And it, yeah, uh, but Wayne's they did world. it for jokes. Yeah. This guy did it in more of an intimate sort of scene way. Like, oh, they're just being they're just they're girls just having girls. a nice day. At yeah. the end of the day, they're just innocent. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a transition which I want to call out because it has nothing to do with craftsmanship. Is it the it's owl? Just is it funny that fucking to me. owl? I the love fucking the owl. owl is so funny. Uh. Yeah. So when you're watching this movie, people, watch for a transition when they arrive at the house <laughs> with this random owl that flies way too close to the girls at the end of the shot. It's a wide shot. I think Melody is the only one. She is the camera. I can't, or maybe it's fantasy has the camera, but uh, just goes like, oh, look, <laughs> because there's an owl that just like swooped away and the rest of them aren't no, have no clue that it just right. happened. And then the film just cuts to the next sequence. It's just like, what? It's- like what is this saying? I have no clue. It's just really it's funny to me. Every to time be I see it, I go Ow! creepy, but it's completely hilarious. Like just entirely it's hilarious. hilarious. Uh, oh, yeah, warms my yeah, heart. Yeah, that was the warms that was the heart. best pure joke I thought. Uh, like well, actually, again, I can't I can't sing enough of this person's praises. Watermelon Man was pretty incredible. Watermelon uh, Man, he was pretty funny the whole time to me. I thought. Kung Fu's yeah, Kung legs Fu. getting, a, getting back from uh, hell yeah. and finishing yeah, the yeah. job was really funny to me. Because <laughs> yeah. it's literally, she's in this like nebulous right, hell right. space. Yeah. And then her legs go like, oh, hell no. And then they like, it moves out of the lampshade and hits 
the cat, and the cat goes. Rrr. Yeah, the kung fu is great. Uh, she needed a sequel. Hope she got it. Don't know. Not gonna check. Uh, one thing that mm-hmm. I just want to call out for being like actually very impressive is the transition from the them being in the house to the house becoming made on like a river of blood, basically. Like that transition oh, into where it, like separates. Yeah, where it separates. The floor that was panels. really effective. It was really oh, yeah. good because you don't yeah. think. Then you start to realize as the sets coming yeah. apart, it's losing its like yeah, integrity, yeah. and then you realize that it, it the whole thing yeah, is on water. It was really impressive. So they made a, they made something that essentially were like, all right, let's let's make a let's put a bunch of water, like make a house facade, and then like let's just knock out all of the things that are keeping the house in place and see what we get. And they nailed it because it like separates and rips apart. And then before you know it, they're on like a boat, right? They're on like essentially yeah, driftwood. driftwood. Yeah. Like a, um, like a floor tile that was basically driftwood. I'm pretty sure they must've had divers. Down oh yeah. There you have to, that's everything. just safety. But like, I just like as an artifice, like, so it's so funny because most of the artifice here is like very, is so overt that you don't think about it as being like tricking you. It's more like, oh, that was cool. This actually worked mm-hmm. like as artifice. It was really well done. Yeah. Um, it was, it was yeah. one of those moments where I was like, maybe this guy would be amazing with a hundred million dollars. Like maybe if you gave him a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. he would do something really incredible. I think he might. He, uh, yeah. Hard, hard yeah. to know. I, I, I Cause again, be right. like hard some of know. the great directors don't really talk to actors. You know, like like Spielberg's yeah. kind of famous for not talking to actors, right? Like he basically only tr- drops in when something's not right. Otherwise, he kind of leaves it to them, is what I've heard. I mean, he rehearses pretty intensely. Okay, I've heard I've heard mixed reports on that, but I don't know. I've heard that of Bay more often. That also makes sense, right? Like he's he's got so many technical things to think about that. Yeah, well, he just doesn't. He's he he takes the Hitchcockian kind of like actors are sheep which by the way if you've heard that quote hitchcock was kidding he was making a joke but um he also was a tyrant that's beside the point uh or maybe it is the point but he he was saying he also a had a pretty famous uh yeah moment. they're they're just like having fun yeah. with each other uh fincher does that a lot fincher. too <laughs> um fincher makes up things in interviews yeah, all yeah, the time yeah just for the lulls to troll like Ben Affleck or something. Fincher has um, a real dark persona. Uh, yeah. Uh, but some actors are, you know, they come from like ads or music videos and they think of actors as moving parts of the frame because they think in terms of movements right, they of think frame. Like of, image. Yeah. Know? And sometimes those movies are reflective of that. I don't think you, I don't think, honestly, I don't think Spielberg and people like Fincher can get away with making films that emotionally are resonant without having some kind of dialogue. Oh, yeah. with the actor. I'm not saying zero. I mean, you can cast amazingly, but your luck runs out right. when you don't understand why, like if they see what the point of the thing is, I, I, you know, I agree. Like, and a director's job is to quality control. But that again, like, bit. so this is a movie that I wish, I wish this was the right venue for, but it's not mystic river is a movie I really like. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was directed by Clint Eastwood, who's sort of the famous, like, one, two takes, and that's it, no matter what. Uh, the yeah. rehearsals were done on that film without him. As in, like, the actors were like, we'd like to rehearse, and he was like, I don't have time for that. They're like, well, can we do it without you? With, without you? And he's like, great. You know what I mean? Like, And that's, like, in the behind the scenes, they talk about it. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. Uh, I 
surpri- surprisingly anti-type, uh, he got like 800 takes of... <laughs> Is that my daughter in there? Is that my daughter in there? No way he did that. Mystic River, great sequel to Mystic Pizza, by the way. (laughs) Boy, boy. You're doing some real real danger field material you got Uh, here. I've done these jokes before. (laughs) Never get tired of them. Never get tired of them. Never get tired of them. I I only got two jokes. This is a great movie. I'm I'm glad you made me watch it. Uh, I'm glad. Me too to like uh just know for the future i do like weird stuff uh i yeah i knew that you're gonna see the lynching yeah. parallel and i was like you know what yeah. i bet he'll like it i just thought it was gonna be a waste of your time because it's like a horror i like comedy horror comedies kind of deal uh I, I like really i thought that you 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 don't like campiness um i, I don't thought like that that things that are <sighs> So well, again, and we're we're drawing this conclusion from the gamefully unemployed Friday night uh, movie thing, which is you know uh, if you haven't gone to that, uh, may want you might want to throw a little a couple of bucks Dave and Tom's way because they run a great ship over there. Uh, in general, because they're watching movies that are they're not artistic weird, uh, they're not they're not like well-made dumb movies they're not well-made dumb movies that is a category that i don't enjoy watching a lot of people love watching that stuff i don't like that uh i'm like no i'm mad that a person got paid to do this because that's all i want in the world you know like seriously (laughs) i like i and i know it's judgy but it's true i'm just like give me money i will make a better movie than this like uh let me try it you know, uh, that's what it all stems down to is my fucking ego. So sorry. <clears throat> I'll take the I'll take all the trash, man. You love it. Yeah. There's Why do you l- love it so much? <laughs> I love movies. I do too, but I, I, I don't. I thought about this question for a long time, and I think that that's just the truest answer I can give to that question. Like you just, uh, no matter what it is, if it's a movie, you love it. I, there's not, I always find something to, I get, there are movies I get angry at. Like stealth, didn't Fuck see stealth. stealth. Like I just don't like. There's so many good pieces of content that have been made that I mm-hmm. don't. I resent watching stuff that is not well made when I could be watching. You know, like uh, there, there's a hundred movies I haven't seen that are awesome. I'm sure, or maybe thousands. I don't know. And it's like, why am I watching? Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, stealth movie I haven't actually watched. Or the most recent Robin Hood. Mm. It's like, how many Robin Hoods have I seen? And this is... I think sometimes it makes me appreciate more the good ones. There's truth to that. And like, it's a social thing, really. It's like a reminder. I don't do it all the time. I'm not like constantly watching stealth. (laughs) Not not full stealth all day. Uh, I'm not 100. (laughs) I'm not... Look, I'm not stealth hundo percent. Right, right. Okay, I, so and like, who am I? To, like, again, we can move on. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not right. I'm just saying, like, I would prefer to watch the greats and uh, to learn from them mm-hmm. and to take their sweet tricks and make them mine, uh, than like watch a movie that I think is not that great and feel frustrated. Uh, I mean, you know, again, it's all ego stuff. Just watch a movie that is not that great when I feel like there's nothing of value to me in this other than it's people worked hard on it and good for them, you know? Uh, well, I, well, it sounds like you found something great. In I this. thought there was a lot of things that were great about you this. You found a little great. Uh, I like yeah. this quite a bit, actually. I'd give it like a, 
like a like a seven out of ten on the Adam liked it meter. Yeah, hey. I really liked it, yeah. and I hope you in the cheap seats found this podcast at least seven great. out of ten. <laughs> uh, you know, at least seven. Uh, yeah. Maybe we're like seven yeah, out maybe of ten. We're, 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 maybe we hit a scale. C on this. <laughs> yeah, so maybe give us a, a, a like and subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe throw a like our way. And maybe subscribe to the channel. You get to hear is, more is content. There a, is just there like a, this? Does, does is there a bell? I don't think we do the bell uh, on I YouTube. I don't think podcasts have yeah. bells. This will be on YouTube. They have at bells some on point. YouTube. So check that yeah, out. I guess I, I, someday I'm going to tell you about when I was working for a major content farm. An argument that I heard, a heated, heated argument that I heard between like a CEO and a, an executive about how they were going to notify the audience about the bell. <laughs> like it was very heated. You got to tell them like, about yeah, the bell. We got to have it in the first 10 seconds or they're not going to click on it. It was like, whoa, dude. Uh, it was amazing. Dude, he, the guy majored yeah. in bell. You got to love him. Was, uh, he was you know, a bell He gets it. He gets uh, the bell, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. He knew. So, yeah. Listen yeah. to the guy. Listen to the guy. And you. Me. Hit the bell. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. All right. That's an episode. Yeah, that's all, that's I all got. anyone's got. Hopefully next episode we'll find out uh, what's happening with this new guy. I'm very I excited. can't about wait this to see how guy. this resolves narratively. I know. That's enough. All right, man. Good talking and to, to you. you. God. So, so beautiful. So beautiful. And that's House Suit. By the way, I think they named it House in English because I thought that was part of it, right? Oh, they did. Yeah, that was the thing. That was uh, they because they it was like controversial was, uh, or ta- taboo or something. Yeah, yeah. it's well, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, because people are like House. That's yeah. Weird what kind of title. word is that? Yeah, don't even. What is yeah. that word? <laughs> kind of sounds yeah. like words we have. It's not that word, and I guess he. I guess it worked. I don't well, know. We watched it, so somebody <laughs> approved. Someone yeah. approved, but we're also we weren't the oh, audience. Or, are, at that or time. have we always we been the audience? Abe? Haven't we always been no, the audience? No, no. Well, this thing's kind of been a cult. Yeah, I can see exactly so. why. I can see exactly mm-hmm, why. Mm-hmm. We're done now, right? <laughs> we've we've been. I think done. so. I think we got that last little bit of tidbit <laughs> in there, right at the end. Sweet little, just like tip, tip of, oh, wait, tip of the tidbit. You Columboed the shit out yeah, of yeah. this ending. You got right a tip here, of the tidbit. Just one more question. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one more thing. What would you say it all means, eh, before we go? Uh, Just uh, before we go, and that's an episode. <laughs> this has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge giant monster beans if you enjoyed this content module please like rate subscribe or tell a friend about us we love you